to startuprad.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, as well as the world's first internet radio station dedicated to startups and tech companies. Today, I bring you another interview with yet another guest. Um, he's not the co-founder of a startup, but the CFO of Hamburg-based Hausgold, which literally translates to House Gold. Welcome, Andres. How are you doing? Hey, uh, thanks for the invitation, Joe. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, people may see when they see it here on YouTube, short sleeve. So this is already recorded in the summer, but due to a little backlog of interviews, we're only going to publish this in fall, but nonetheless, we try to keep it as relevant as possible. I've been looking a little bit at your CV and a little bit into the Handelsregister, which is the public public register of German companies. And I've seen you entered as CFO in the company officially in the, in the public register in April, 2021. And I've seen before that you've been an investment banker as well as a strategy consultant. Can you take us a little bit through the journey, what you did, what you learned and how you ended up with a company founded seven years before as a CFO? Yeah, sure. Um, so my pedigree, I think, is a relatively standard or orthodox pedigree. I studied uh, finance and economics uh, at a German-speaking business school in Vienna. Um, I uh, moved immediately after my studies. I, I joined a consulting firm for which I worked for uh, more than four years, did a lot of quantitative analytical uh, work there uh, in, in, in a number of international locations that I spent uh, almost uh, two years in Brazil, spent half a year in South Africa, had a, had a basically a great time. But then I figured uh, I still want to see another sector, moved into investment banking, uh, joined uh, one of the large investment banks in London and, and covered uh, the, the financial institution sector in uh, in Europe, out of London. And I did that for almost five years. Um, and I did like my job there uh, quite a lot. But what I missed was the entrepreneurial spirit. What I, uh, what the job lacked was the, or what I frankly disliked was the time lag between having an idea and getting everybody on board to actually implement that idea into reality. And that is uh, just something completely different at the place at where I'm right now at House Gold, where uh, if me and uh, the founder and CEO, Sebastian Wagner, when we discuss an idea, we, uh, we can virtually implement it uh, if it's possible over the next couple of days and basically run tests and, and see how the data works out. And, uh, and this is something, this is something that I find extremely refreshing. Uh, it's, uh, so basically the impact that, that one can have as a single individual at a small institution, at a small startup is just exponentially larger than, than just being, being a small fish in the pond of a, you know, global investment bank, for instance. So, so, so this is something that, uh, that, uh, motivated me to, to move out of investment banking. 
And uh, I'm a little bit curious how you ended up at Housecold, how you decided for this startup, I assume you had a lot of offers at hand. And why did you choose this startup? Is it because it's very promising because it has an innovative technology or because you just got along very well with the CEO? Um, frankly, you mentioned all the three most relevant aspects. So, so first of all, I hit it off with, uh, with, uh, Sebastian very well, uh, initially from, from the first meeting we had, uh, I saw that there's a, there's a very good vibe to, to have a great working relationship, uh, with the founder, which is something extremely important. Uh, you know, when I look at a job, uh, per se, I look and when I, when I try to do that rather agnostically, getting along with the, with the uh, employees and, 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 and experiencing a great working atmosphere is something extremely important. I've seen how that, uh, you know, investment banks are not necessarily known for, for having a great work, working atmosphere. I think they are being judged too harshly. The atmosphere can be great there, uh, as well, but, uh, but it's something obviously motivating, especially at a startup where, uh, you know, uh, in particular, moving from an investment bank, you don't, uh, the move isn't motivated necessarily by, by short term financial considerations. So that's something extremely important. But also, I always had an affinity for, for the real estate sector per se. I, I, I did cover as a banker and as a consultant, I was actually focused on, 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 on fintechs, financial institutions, insurer, insurance firms, banks, et cetera. Uh, which is somewhat adjacent to the real estate sector because, because financing is always a very critical element to any real estate, uh, or to most real estate transactions. But more importantly, uh, as a private investor, I've, uh, you know, I've been a very small scale investor in, in, in Viennese, uh, real estate, uh, which is where I'm originally from. And, uh, so I always liked or found the sector interesting. I always found the sector extremely, um, how am I going to put it? Uh, I always found it, uh, interesting that the part, uh, that a lot of elements of the real estate selling are not, haven't really been disrupted, uh, or disruption has started relatively late in the game. If you look at, at a real estate transaction, when it comes, uh, when you look at the angle, an agent selling a real estate, uh, a, a property to a buyer that has been disrupted a long time ago, 25 years ago, when, when, when big real estate portals like Amos Cal 24 in Germany and, uh, and, uh, you know, equivalents in other countries have been built. That angle of the real estate transaction has been disrupted a long time ago, but the angle where a seller actually finds an agent he wants to work with and he wants to, to entrust with selling his, his or her property uh, that part of the business hadn't, hadn't yet been, uh, fully disrupted. And I think disruption is still relatively early on in the game here. Uh, and so, so I found that very interesting. And then lastly, it's, uh, it's, it's a, I mean, household is a startup and is in a sector where data and big data is extremely important. We've, uh, just to throw in a number here, we, we speak to over a hundred thousand customers each year and, that gives us a lot of data to learn from. And it was always my, my aspiration and my, and you know, what we had agreed on informally that, that I wasn't simply going to be a CFO who looks at the numbers and basically, you know, and, and, and is involved in investor dialogues, et cetera, but that I, that I want to be 
much more than that and actually really drive the business and, and our decision making as to where we want to allocate resources, where we want to allocate capital based on numbers and, and actually, and, and, and just help house gold, uh, monetize the data that we have, uh, in a much more significant fashion. Before we get into what house gold currently is and what you guys are aspiring to do, can you just take us on a little journey? Because my understanding is you can basically buy and sell legally real estate just through an internet platform, but many people still rely on human brokers. Can you tell us a little bit what segment this is relevant for and your personal opinion, why people are still doing it when they could, it, could do it all remote? Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting question. This is, this has been a thesis for the better part of two decades that, that the existence of real estate portals um, will basically vanish uh, or or result in the in uh, you know in, in in the complete irrelevance of the job of an agent and 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 basically the agent will not be required anymore going forward and that thesis that hypothesis has been existing for for 25 years at this point what you can see is that the the percentage of real estate transactions that have been supported or enabled by a uh, by a real estate agent has been relatively steady uh, and, and relatively unchanged. So, so I think there's certain elements uh, that a real estate agent can bring to the to the transaction and, and a certain value add uh, that most sellers do appreciate. What we see on our platform as well is is, is that. Certain sellers try to sell it uh, by themselves immediately or, or initially, and then choose uh, choose uh, choose to select an agent because because they haven't been able so to. So so in in essence, the obviously the the uh, how you can assess whether an agent actually provides critical value is is, is if he at least achieves a price that. Uh, that allows for uh, his part of the provision to be paid out of hand. Um, what you, I think, and, 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 and we, you know, I speak to many of our agents on a, on a, on a weekly basis. Um, there's a lot of elements that, that, um, give the agent a better, uh, an advantage at selling a property vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis the actual, the actual seller or the owner of a property. The agent has time. It's his full-time job. He knows his job inside out. He also will will be able to sell a property and and uh, and uh, present a property in a more in a more neutral and sober fashion. There, there, there should be less emotions involved, uh, and and he knows what works and what hasn't worked. Right? It's 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 similar to to a car salesman or to um, you know to, to to anyone who sells a product. You know you've been doing it for decades in in in, in many instances. And you, you know how certain, say, bad elements of a property can be preempted, can be renovated, what needs to be done, what will work with a certain pocket of buyers, uh, and what won't work and what will detract interest. So, 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 so I think there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of elements that, that speak in favor of actually hiring an agent. I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't necessarily recommend it in all situations. But, uh, but yeah, the fact that the percentage of transactions 
uh, in Germany and, and, and frankly across Europe has been relatively unchanged and, and, uh, and, and is very steady in terms of, in terms of who uses an agent and who actually sells privately, uh, shows me and is testament, uh, for our conviction that the agent, the agent is here to stay and the agent actually plays a critical role in real estate selling. Um, before we get into house gold, I just want to add a little uh, cultural background because here in Germany, it's usually the case if you really at one point in your life settle to buy a house, to buy an apartment, usually it's your only purchase of real estate in your life. So most of people will settle for the first, for the only house they ever bought and uh, they won't change it a lot. So it's not only a big decision in terms of financial value. It's also a big decision in terms of where, how to spend your life. Because if you're looking for a really remote place, you also have to consider that you live there at old age when you are not able to drive your car anymore and stuff like this. So that are all considerations that go into it. That's why I do believe Germans look a little bit longer for real estate than Americans, because if you're an American, you change several times your location. And basically you always have in the back of your mind, oh, if I don't like this house, I can sell it and can move another place. Germans are a little bit different here, just for the cultural background. My understanding is now for house gold, you guys been founded 2014 in Hamburg, where it's still located. You have around 60 employees, a little bit more when we talked about before. And basically your thing is you have real estate brokers or agents that you connect with people who want to sell houses. So basically not rental properties is your thing, not apartments, but basically houses. That That is what you're focused on. And I've seen a very interesting list of investors, including the Global Founders Fund backed by Rocket Internet, uh, the big Deutsche Bank. Um, people from abroad may not know it, but the founder of Scout24, it was like the first uh, platforms, the first digitalization platforms that been built here in Germany, as well as Hansa Ventures, where you guys been, uh, been incubated, I do believe. And so far you raised around 11 million euros from my understanding, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. I also found an article that you guys are looking for another 12 million Series B investment. But when we talked about the article before, you said, ah, oh, that's not completely correct. Uh, no, it, it, this wasn't reported accurately. Uh, in fact, we're not uh, in a fundraising stage at this point. What we've seen is uh, this year has been, I call it uh, spectacular in terms of uh in terms of our finances we've seen that our our cash burn is is close to zero uh whilst we grow um you know we, we're going to be growing roughly 100 percent this year uh so things are working out great we want to grow more uh and uh, we want to improve our financial situation even more want to improve our unit economics and then you know potentially tap the capital market at some point uh, over the next say 12 to 24 months but uh, but really it's not you know I, I i'm never a friend of raising capital purely for the sake of raising capital i uh, you know if there is an opportunity how we can deploy the capital uh in a smart and in a value creative manner then we will do so 
if we raising capital purely for for say uh you know for throwing money at marketing or uh, at the expense of diluting our current shareholder base is, is, is not the way we want to operate. Talking about this. Uh, so basically I have two questions because I found an interview of your CFO, Sebastian, back in 2020. He talked about that was, that was in April 2020. So when Corona was just getting traction here in Germany and uh, he talked about for 2020, the aim of 100% growth plus break even. Did, did you guys achieve that? Uh, yes. So we achieved break even in that year. Uh, and, and, and basically, uh, we, we're right now not running at break, break even, but at a relatively de minimis uh, cash burn. Uh, why is it, uh, tricky in our business sometimes to, to, to break even is, because of the following reasons, right? Right. We invest in marketing in basically acquiring uh, customer contacts that want to sell their property right now, and will only generate the revenues over the next couple of months. So basically, because of that time lag, when you when you scale quickly, it's uh, yeah, it's oftentimes difficult to 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 fully break even or to be strongly operationally profitable. Uh, what we uh, what we've seen in 2020. And, you know, which was at a time when, when I wasn't yet, uh, at Housegold, but when I was already in touch with Sebastian, uh, what Housegold did is, uh, we slashed the growth a little, uh, purely to see how Corona will evolve and how, how it's actually gonna impact the housing market. I mean, in hindsight, obviously it was a, it was a boost to real estate prices and actually also to, to, to the number of tr transactions. So it, it was, it turned out to be, relatively beneficial to, to, to prices. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we've, we've basically, we've slashed, uh, our marketing expenses for a couple of months. And once you do that, uh, it's tricky to recover that revenue over time. Uh, so we didn't grow at a hundred percent, but we grew slightly less than that. Um, and basically you guys are working with something like 4,000 real estate brokers. Yeah. Um, and can you, Tell us a little bit what the people that are entering your platform are looking like, because it's like usually people that are uh, retired or are they very young and inherited houses? Are they very cheap ones? Are they very expensive ones? What What is what is usually your clientele, your, your customer base? Uh, well, uh, it depends on what you define as customer. I define customer as both the sellers, uh, the potential property sellers on the one hand, and obviously the agents as well. Agents, you know, I view them as customers, but also as partners because they, uh, if the agent is successful, household is successful. And, you know, conversely, if they don't end up selling a property, then also household stands to, uh, not book revenues accordingly. So, so basically there's a beautiful, alignment in terms of, of, of the interest of the agent and, uh, and household per se, which I think works very well. Uh, maybe, maybe quickly, uh, coming to your question, right. I, or, or let me, let me maybe take a step back, uh, first, what we try to solve and, and where I think there's a real market failure at this point, uh, is we try to bring transparency, uh, to the, to the agent landscape. If you are a property seller right now in Germany or elsewhere, 
it's very hard to differentiate for you who is a good seller and who is actually, or who is a, who is a strong performing agent and who is actually a mediocre one. And, you know, in many life decisions, this may not be as important, but, but actually for many of our property sellers, for many of the people who come across our platform, uh, in order to look for an agent, it's the single most important financial transaction of their life. Uh, we've run several surveys, uh, you know, a large majority of the net worth of the, the average seller in Germany is captured in this one property. So it is very critical that you decide on, on selecting the right agent. And if you look at it and if you speak to, 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 to friends and colleagues, et cetera, uh, the process of selecting an agent is actually very erratic in most circumstances. It's driven by considerations about brand, gut feeling, maybe word of mouth. Somebody, a friend maybe may have recommended an agent that potentially is even a, a, a top performing agent for a certain segment. Let's say, um, you know, properties in the price range of 200,000, he may not be the perfect agent to sell a, say, a mansion, um, in the, you know, in, in, in a suburban region in Berlin or Hamburg that's worth maybe seven digits. So, so even if you are a good agent in for one specific property, that may not necessarily apply to other properties. So what we, what we try to do here is, uh, we want to bring anal analytics to the question of, which agent to choose. And we want to help the seller who basically struggles. He, uh, who struggles to differentiate between good ones and, 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 you know, mediocre agents. Uh, and we say, we will look at all the data that we have of our, uh, you know, almost, uh, well, more than 4,000 agents on our platform. We know the historical data. We know how successful they have been at selling real estate of, you know, in certain segments, in certain price points. Uh, in certain locations, uh, we know how good they were at, say, um, you know, estimating a, the value of a property and how that estimate, that initial estimate compared with the ultimate sales price. So we have a lot of, a lot of internal and a lot of external data to assess who will be, uh, the best suited agents or who will be among the best suited agents in a certain, uh, for a certain property. Uh, so that's the value proposition that we give to, to, to a seller. And, and what we also do, and I think this is, I think this is a great value add. Uh, we tell a property seller that he can get up to three, uh, valuation estimates for free. So he gets to meet three agents, uh, and he can see, you know, and he can decide for himself who he thinks is most legitimate, who he thinks is most competent, uh, and who he wants to work with. And maybe, maybe also, you know, where there is a, a level of, uh, you know, call it, uh, call it, uh, sympathy or, or just getting along well with an agent, which is also obviously critical from a, from a personal standpoint. So, so he gets to, you know, I compare it with, say, say you have a, a, you know, a, an unfortunate medical diagnosis, you also want to get a second opinion and a third opinion. And in this, in, in, in such a case, we enable, given it's such an important lifetime decision for a seller, uh, we say, speak to more than one agent, get, speak, speak to various agents, develop some comfort. Um, and, and then you get to pick among already pre-selected agents that our algorithm, that our technology basically has selected based on 
your property characteristics, your preferences, uh, uh, the seller's preferences, basically, and the competencies and success factors that we have of, um, you know, of our agent base. So that's something, I, I think that's the value add that we bring to the seller and to the, to the agent. It's, um, it's, uh, it's something, you know, similar in terms of market failure. What you see is, or let's put it that way. Why does the seller struggle to, to differentiate between a good and a bad agent? Cause it's, it's very hard to, to see it outside in, to, to, to see it a priori whether an agent is good or bad. You will usually find out, uh, over, you know, over the course of the process of selling a real estate, but usually you'll find out way too late in the game. Uh, and similarly for, for a, a an agent, it's tricky to differentiate himself from the crowd. You may be a very, um, you know, a, a very ambitious and hardworking and, and just competent agent. But everybody else uses the same slogans. They will all promise you they're going to sell your real estate quicker and for a higher price. It's extremely hard to differentiate. You can try it via brand. Uh, and that's a very expensive way to differentiate. Um, and other than that, it's hard to get rewarded for performance. You may get rewarded by, by a word of mouth. And that's pretty much it. Google reviews are very tricky. Uh, they're full with fake reviews. If, you know, I, I would call them almost useless. Um, so if you want to have a platform where performance will be rewarded, House Gold is a great platform to work with because we will, uh, not only will a strong agent get more, more seller contact details, but he'll also get, uh, on our platform, he'll get specific, uh, tailored, uh, contact details that will, that will, um, that, uh, where we, where our algorithm already thinks that he will be, uh, he will be the best suited agent to actually perform well, aka to convert a, uh, you know, a lead, a seller's lead to a, uh, an actual sale. So, so that's also the value add that we give to, to, to agents. On the flip side, of course, uh, what we do have is, uh, I'd call it an adverse selection in terms of the agents. Uh, what you see is if you're strong performing, you're going to perform well on our platform and you're going to get plenty of seller's contacts. If you perform poorly, you're going to get a couple of chances to, to, to prove your performance. But at some point, you know, uh, a, a certain natural selection applies and you're not going to get any more contact details because, because our algorithm, our technology will, will not regard you as good enough, uh, to, to work with our sellers. Uh, one question when you talked about fake reviews, did you also see already see some attempts on your website to post fake, fake reviews, fake transactions? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, what, what do you mean with fake transactions? Basically a real estate broker asks a friend, uh, go on the platform, select me, give me a good review. Um, not really. We, we don't work, uh, with reviews. We work, uh, we work with reviews, uh, whenever a, a seller has performed the valuation and whenever a sell, uh, whenever an agent has performed the valuation and whenever an agent has actually ended up selling a property. That's, that's when, when our call center speaks to the seller and asks how, you know, asks a couple of critical questions that will allow us to, to look at the performance. Uh, what we primarily look at is the hard data. Basically, how many, you know, with how many customers have you spoken? How many did you convert into, into 
a, uh, a broker contract and how many of those broker contracts do you convert towards a sale? And how does that look across? How do those numbers look across, uh, you know, certain segments in terms of price point expertise, um, of a certain property in terms of certain locations, uh, and so on and so forth. And we also look at a lot of external data. Uh, that we try to enrich our, our decision making process. We, we do also include, say, the, uh, you know, the review, uh, element, uh, but frankly, to a very minor piece, because we are, I'm cognizant of the fact that, uh, there's a good element of fake in it. If, if you look at, and, and it's hard to distinguish. If you look at a platform at what, at the big real estate portals, uh, you're never going to see really bad reviews. It's it's usually, in 90% of the cases, would, that would be my guess, either you get a review, uh, an average review of 4.8 or be it 4.6, but it's extremely, it's very tough to interpret that data. And I think it's very noisy data. So so we we refrain from from looking at it uh, in, in too much depth. I see. I, I actually like it when, uh, when an interview guest makes up so much of, of the interview. That's really good. Uh, let us get towards the end and I just have, um, a few more, uh, shorter questions for you. Um, we've been already talking about how Corona did impact you. So it was positive. You didn't have to send any employees to short term, uh, employment options like Kurzarbeit. Uh, not really. We, we, we kept on working. It's easy for us because we, I mean, how we differentiate from other prop techs in a similar field is we don't employ the agents on our platform. So, so, so basically that makes us extremely lean from a capital efficiency standpoint, makes us extremely lean from a, from a, uh, you know, cost run rate standpoint. So no, no, nobody was, uh, was put on furlough. We did, what we did do is slash our, marketing expenses. We, we readjusted a little our, our, um, uh, product development pipeline, et cetera. But other than that, it's, um, we didn't, uh, we didn't put anyone on furlough. What we did struggle with, and, and, and frankly, I've seen it when I joined, um, in, you know, late last year is obviously with, uh, the question of working remotely. I think it's a great thing. I think it's, it's also something where, you know, as a startup, we compete with, uh, for talent with a lot of other firms. And as a startup, uh, you, you know, or as many startups, we're usually not in a, in a position to, to, um, to potentially pay the best salaries, but we want to accommodate our employees by, by giving them a lot of flexibility in terms of choosing where they want to work from, uh, and, and, and giving them, giving them a lot of flexibility in that regard. So I think, I think uh, the coronavirus uh, or, you know, the pandemic that started uh, in, in, in spring 2020, I think in that regard, it will have a lasting impact on, on, on I think, many companies and including house school. Um, so we've um, working remotely was was something relatively unorthodox before the pandemic uh, at house school. And now it's something relatively standard. But I but I still think it's important to have uh, have a certain office atmosphere uh, and, uh, and, and certain dialogues, certain informal dialogues where you actually do create the ideas, uh, that will drive a business. They, it's just easier for, for those things to happen in an informal manner in an office than, than when you actually speak with a colleague on a video call in my point of view. 
Mm-hmm. And one more question. Um, where do you see house gold within the next two to three years, especially including the corona effect, meaning, as you said, working remotely, doing more from home, replacing world, a real-world interaction with digital ones so people can move out further from the city centers and buy larger houses there. How, how do you see stuff like this impacting household in the next few years? And where do you see the company in like the next uh, 24 to 36 months? Um, I mean, I think it's an excellent question. I think um, I think what we currently already see in our data is a certain uh, trend of de-urbanization, uh, you know, meaning that that uh, many people, given the element of working remotely, is becoming more commonplace uh, in, in in German, you know, for German employers. Many people are using that as an as an opportunity to actually acquire properties outside of large urban centers. So we see that, and it, it, it's something that we actually benefit from strongly because because we have, uh, you know, not only do we work with. Uh, uh, many uh, of the largest, uh, you know, nationwide operating uh, real estate agents, but we also work with with over four thousand of the small local uh, agents, and those are those are oftentimes excellent agents. Those are the real entrepreneurs that uh, that understand the market better than anyone. They wouldn't be willing to to work. Uh, you know, to work for an employer, but they want to actually have their own business. They want to be their own boss and, uh, and they do an excellent job. And, and they see, um, in many instances now increased activity also on our platform when it comes to, when it comes to property transactions sort of in, in areas outside of the large urban center. So, so I think, I think it remains to be seen whether this trend actually continues over time. It's always hard to predict, uh, the future in, in, in that regard. But uh, but I think what we will see, generally speaking, is um, is potentially higher prices and more property transactions driven by by you know the devaluation spike over the last couple of years. Uh, we see a lot of um, a lot of sellers on our platform that that basically uh, don't necessarily want to sell their property. Because of a life-changing event, say say you inherited a property or you you want to move elsewhere, but that basically say have a second property and they want to actually make use of of the current climate uh, in terms of cheap financing that keeps that that keeps prices up or keeps them rising and and you know and the inflationary uh, implications of the monetary politics since the coronavirus. So, so this is. So I think as long as this trend continues, household and I think many projects in Germany will do well. But ultimately, you know, I think I think we need to do well regardless of the the economic backdrop and 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 you know and regardless of of whether whether uh, real estate prices uh, continue to inflate or actually may see a deflationary period. As as many people in the market are saying, I think we as long as we connect. Uh, and keep on connecting and keep on improving in that regard uh, on, on connecting the seller with the best suited agents. We uh, we do a great service. We provide a great service not only to the seller as long as we we continue doing that because he will he will get an agent that will get uh, get him a better price. Will be able to sell the property in uh, you know in a short period of time vis-a-vis others, 
and he will not he will not get an agent who who say um, you know who will overpromise initially and then underdeliver, which is something extremely disappointing uh, for for sellers. But he will get somebody who will speak to him um, eye to eye uh, and and uh, and uh, will will continue on his promises and actually do a good job. And, and similarly for the for the agent, I think as long as we keep on giving agents the right customer context that they will convert to a sale with a much higher likelihood than on other platforms and with other, say, um, you know, competitors of ours, uh, we also, we have a, you know, not, a, not only a raison d'etre uh, to exist, but, but we will also do well and, uh, and, and yeah, and provide a, a great service to, to both our customers uh, or partners, which, which I consider to be the sellers on the one hand and the, and, uh, the agents on the other. Great. Well, basically, you always give me extensive <laughs> answers and there, there is not <laughs> a lot uh, I have to ask. So only thing left for me to say is thank you very much. It was a great pleasure having you as a guest here and best of luck for Hauskold and let us know if there's an update. I will. appreciate the conversation and thanks for the invite, Joe. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, 